want to welcome you for joining us today, being here with us, here in this study. Today's study is actually uh, message number four on the red heifer. We're going to be reading from the book of Numbers, from chapter 19, from verse onward to verse 22. And then we're going to be outlining some of the types and some of the shadows that are actually presented into the, in the scripture concerning many of the sacrifices and the offerings that were made in the Old Testament. And then we're going to look specifically at where the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross, how that blood, when it was sprinkled for the red heifer, it was sprinkled seven times. And then we're going to be identifying each one of those sections where the blood was uh, actually applied and how and what it represents, its symbolism, what it means to you and I as a Christian believer, and the things that are represented and outlined. The message is rather lengthy, so it is going to be broken up to parts or in sections. So it will be message number four, and it will probably be part number one, part number two, part number three and so forth until the entire message is actually completed. We will be co covering other materials. Uh, we're going to be talking about the battle for the mind, the battle for our conscience, the battle for the imagination, the battle for our will, and the battle for the heart. We're going to talk about the work that was accomplished at Calvary. Uh, when Jesus was on that cross, some of the things that he accomplished for us, not everything, but some of the things. There's a very extensive study uh, that can actually be done on this, but we want to cover some of these things just a little bit slowly and uh, just as much as we need, not going too far and too in-depth. And then the deliverances that he brought and uh, accomplished for us. The five major sacrifices that are types uh, in the book of Leviticus of uh, the life of Jesus and his sacrifice and what he accomplished for us. So please join us if you've got a pencil, you've got a paper, uh, you want to take some notes, you can follow along, listen to the message as many times as you need to or would like to. Uh, we are going to be doing this message completely in English. At another time I will do it in Spanish for our audience uh, that speaks Spanish. Uh, if so, if you'll just open your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 19, verse number 1. And we're going to be reading, I'm going to be emphasizing some highlights on some of the verses, not everything, but some highlights that I'd like to bring out to light. And I am counting and expecting the Holy Spirit of the living God to be able to illuminate the understanding of your mind and your heart that a spirit of wisdom and knowledge uh, will be able to allow you to grasp some of these truths. Things that are applicable, that are practicable as part of your Christian walk and part of your Christian ministry. So let's start reading the Red Heifer, Numbers chapter 19, verse 1 onward. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, Moses the prophet, Aaron the high priest, saying, Numbers 19.2, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded 
saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot therein, no blemish, and upon which never came a yoke. And these things are four. One, they are to bring it. And the uh, nation of Israel did bring uh, Christ, especially the, the religious leaders, before the high priest and accused him. Then he was brought before Herod and Pilate. And, of course, then he was turned over to be crucified. Christ is represented as a red heifer without spot, without blemish, with which he was without. He had no spot. He had no blemish. He had no defect upon him whatsoever, whether physical, moral, or spiritual. And upon which never came a yoke. Numbers 19.3 And you shall give her, and of course it's a female, versus some of the other sacrifices that were a male sacrifice, unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth out or without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face. So this sacrifice was not going to take place in the tabernacle or in the temple of Solomon. This sacrifice was going to take place outside of the camp. Normally the sacrifices, when they were sacrificed, the blood there was applied immediately to the different components of the tabernacle, whether it was the brazen altar or the laver or the altar of incense or or the other things that were there, but not in this case. In this case, the heifer was going to be sacrificed outside the camp, and the blood was going to be sprinkled towards or in the direction of the tabernacle. You have to remember that the people that were involved in this sacrifice, before they sacrificed it, they were clean. <laughs> Once a sacrifice has taken place, they're made unclean, so they cannot go and sprinkle the blood because they've already been defiled. So they have to wait until the cleaning process or the purification process, which is made by and through the ashes of the red heifer, once it has been completely consumed. And then in Numbers, in chapter 19, verse 4, we're going to continue reading the whole chapter. And Eleazar, the priest, shall take of her blood with his finger and sprinkle her blood directly before the tabernacle or in the direction of the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And let me just add right from the very beginning that the blood of Jesus was poured out of his body in seven different areas. The crown on his head, on the right hand, the left hand where he was pierced, on his side where he was pierced, on his left leg and on his right leg. In every one of these areas, Jesus Christ wound up, wound up shedding his blood and then, of course, his back. So those are the seven areas we will be talking about and concentrating on as much as we can in this message. And then we will continue in verse 5. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight. Her skin, her flesh, her blood, with her dung shall be burned. Verse 6. And the priest shall take cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet, and cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. And that will be another topic that we'll be talking about on another day. 
Verse 7, And then the priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe his flesh in water, and afterwards he shall come into the camp, and the priest shall be unclean until the evening. Verse 8, And he shall burn her, he that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water, and bathe his flesh in water, and he shall be unclean until the evening. Verse 9, and a man that is clean shall gather the ashes of the heifer and lay them up outside the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation. It is a purification for sins. It is believed, can't be proven or disproven in one way or another, that the ashes would actually go from one generation to another and last as long as a thousand years. But when we get to the ashes, we'll talk about that. In verse 10, And he that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and shall be unclean until the evening. Notice, everyone is unclean, even though they were clean to start off with. And it shall be unto the children of Israel, and unto the stranger that journeyeth among them for a statute forever. Verse 11. And he that touches the dead body of any man shall be unclean for seven days. And that is another topic that we will be talking about. The importance of the red heifer in its association with death. Man sinned. Death was pronounced. Physical death. And then, of course, there is the judgment afterwards. Those that have believed and not believed in Christ. And then, of course, the spiritual death that comes from that separation from God eternally. So two issues of death are addressed. The physical and the spiritual. And then we have in verse 13. And whosoever touches the dead man or the body of any dead man that is dead and purifieth not himself defileth the tabernacle of the Lord. And that soul shall be cut off from Israel because of the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him. And notice what it's called, the mixing of the ashes and that water. It was called the water of separations. Or another term is used, the water of purification. And his uncleanness shall yet be upon him. And this is the law, verse 14. When a man dieth in a tent, that all that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean for seven days. And every open vessel and that has no covering bound upon it is unclean. And whosoever touches one that is slain, this is verse 16, with a sword in the open fields or a dead body or a bone of a man, or a grave shall be unclean seven days. Verse 17. And for an unclean person they shall take of the ashes of the burnt heifer of its purification for sin and running water. Shall be put therein in a vessel. Verse 18. And a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it upon the tent and upon the vessels, and upon the persons where they were come upon him that touched the bone, or one slain, or one dead, or a grave. Verse 19, And the clean person shall sprinkle upon the unclean, the person shall sprinkle upon the unclean on the third day, and on the seventh day, 
And on the seventh day he shall purify himself and wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and shall be clean at the evening. Verse 20, but a man that shall be unclean, but that man shall be unclean and shall not that and that does not purify himself that soul shall be cut off from among the congregation because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord the water of separation has not been sprinkled upon him he is unclean it is verse 21 or it shall be for a perpetual statute unto them that he that touches and sprinkleth the water of separation shall wash his clothes and he that touches the water of separation shall be unclean until the evening. Verse 22, And whatsoever the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and that soul that touches it shall be unclean until the evening. So you have the waters of purification, or the waters of separation, or the waters of cleansing, as we would want to uh, call it. We have the shedding of the blood. We have the running water. Uh, another translation calls it the living waters. And of course, the waters of purification, uh, some suggest, and uh, it has been suggested, the brazen labor that was used for them to wash in. Every time the, the ministers of the tabernacle went in and out, uh, doing the services of the Lord, they were to wash and cleanse themselves. No different than our spiritual walk and work with the Lord, where we defile ourselves. Uh, spiritually, physically, morally, in some way, and we need the cleansing of the word. We need the cleansing of the blood for sin. We need the water of separation for sanctification in our life. In other words, to walk and live a holy life. So that is the reading of the scripture. That is what it has to say. And now we're going to look at the shadows and the types. What was written in the New Testament concerning the Old Testament, which is called the Scripture, from which all the apostles got their teachings, that's where they got their information, as the Holy Spirit brought to light the things that had been inspired to the prophets and to the men of God that at that time brought forth the Word and then pinned it down by inspiration of the Spirit of God. In Romans 15, verse 4, for whatsoever things were written beforehand were written for our learning. Notice, we can learn from these things. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures, scripture speaking about the Old Testament, might have hope. So we have hope when we study these things. And in that hope, we also find that Jesus winds up being the true light, the true substance of the shadows that were of the Old Testament, the figures, the types, the patterns. Here's another verse. At this point, go to part two of the message.